Welcome to We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard and I shall be your host for this evening. And uh, tonight's show is a special show. It is it's what we call a quick start on the kickstart show. And uh, the reason that we do this is, is when somebody has started a kickstarter campaign and it's been running for either a couple of days or a couple of weeks and we get the creator in to have a chat about the campaign, how it's running, how it's going... And all that kind of good stuff. So, uh, joining me tonight from Orange Nebula Games is a gentleman by the name of Mark Neidlinger. Good evening, Mark. Good evening, Richard. How are you? I am well, thank you for asking. You're well and you're also fully funded. I am fully funded. It's uh, It's been a great 24 hours. <laughs> you must be... You know, I saw you on Skype earlier. There was a little bit of a spring in your step. You know, you were, you were looking a little bit shiny, happy people. You know, um. yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit overwhelming. I will tell you, it's it's great. The community has really come together. I mean, the reason for people that have not listened to the show beforehand, um, I guess we better dial it back and say hello to everybody who hasn't listened to the show before. Um, the reason that we're doing this is quite simply because we don't think there's enough podcasts out there about board games. And the second reason is, is that I was on the Board Game Spotlight Facebook group in a certain Mr. James Hudson from Druid City, Druid City Games was highlighting Epoch. And uh, he was talking about, you know, um, it looked very, very interesting, but it wasn't getting an awful lot of love. And um, I thought, I I like the look of this game. Let's get Mark on and let's have a chat with him um, and and see see where we go with things. So um, normally, what we do is we we like to find out a little bit about the history. So we like to have a little stare back in the past before, I guess, concentrating on the present, and then. Searching around for stuff, almost scavenging into the future. So, um, again, Mark, listen, thank you for coming on. I know it's short notice. I know this has been the craziest first kind of 24 hours of <laughs> your life with regards to the Epoch um, Kickstarter campaign because this is basically round two, isn't it? Um, it is. This is kind of yeah. like midway through the Rocky film after you've, you know... After Burgess Meredith got ill, kind of thing, and then you've you've done your training montage, and you know, and now you're back and you're taking names. So uh, yeah, how are you feeling? How are you feeling at the moment? I feel great, you know, and and yeah, I did have that kind of rocky moment where I felt like I was up against the ropes, uh, and learning a lot. There's a there's a big learning curve when you do this for the first time. You know, regardless of how much preparation you've put into it, how much how much work and time you put into it, it's still a new experience. And so it, it has been a tremendous learning curve, but um, it's really taught me to rely on the community a lot. The gaming community has been phenomenal. Uh, and, and, you know, guys like James Hudson, you just mentioned, uh, among others, have been very helpful. And uh, it's, it's really opened my eyes to just how powerful community uh, really is. I mean, delving back into your history with the um, with the um, tree pressed hobby that is cardboard and tabletop. How did you first? I mean, are you a big player of the game um, yourself? Yeah, I, well, I mean, going way back yeah. through the time portal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, I was playing the you know the family games and kind of got bored with those right away. Probably because I didn't want to hang out with my family, <laughs> and uh, started started playing you know games like Talisman. All right. Uh, you know, in in probably the you know the nineties, which I think predates some some people, but. Uh, you know, so, some of the more challenging games that didn't rely as much on luck. And, and really I started to realize that, you know, there was some story, there's some role playing that you could get into. And that really just kind of unlocked my imagination. And then, you know, from there I was just playing games, you know, through college. And then after college, you know, got into game groups and it just kind of has stuck with me the whole time. Did you play all the way through or are you one of these people that kind of had a break about 16 to 17? 
and then came back to it, or have you constantly kind of been playing around um, with the tabletop? Well, once you have children, <laughs> uh, massive life change happens, and you don't have time to to kind of dominate the world that you you know in ways that you thought you could before. Yeah. Uh, you learn diplomacy when you get married, and uh, some of those things <laughs> happen with me. And um, I realized that board games are awesome, but they they are kind of uh, something that you have to be really intentional about setting a time to, you know, to get together with friends with. So, um, I have done it all along to answer your question, mm. but, um, it, it's something that, you know, you, you really have to be intentional about, about planning. Do you have a regular group of friends that you play with, like a club, that, a game club that you go to, or do you just have people coming around or, or do you, act, you know, yeah. sorry, it's cool. I've, I've had, um, I've had a game group that I've played with for over 15 years straight wow. and and we play regularly and it's the same group of five or six guys and we're we've played so many games together now that we're not just playing games we're playing you know each other based on where we're sitting because we know each other so well and it's it's actually been a pretty powerful experience <laughs> to do that to have a you know over a decade of the same players yeah since I started playtesting Epoch though um I am now a part of many game groups uh, <laughs> in the region. Um, I yeah, there's just a lot of gamers that I've really connected with in the past two years, and uh, I would say you know in the hundreds, but probably some smaller groups, four, five, six different groups that I play with now. All right, a little bit more <laughs> more than I used to. So you're out and about a lot more, kind of. I guess you you would have been over the last kind of six months, kind of getting to know people and getting them to play test and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, part of that is just really rewarding. I mean, uh, designing a game and playtesting a game teaches you a lot about games, but it also teaches you a lot about yourself. And I think, um, for me, a lot of the challenges come with, you know, designing a game that has a rewarding experience for someone who's different than you, uh-huh. a player who, who likes to play differently than you do. And, um, you know, balancing it for different types of players has been pretty significant in my development. So that's been that's been fun for me to connect in the community that way. So in your group, do you have? Is it kind of like almost like a, I guess like a, a kind of a heist mob? <laughs> kind of you've got the you know, you've got the guy that we dress up like gangsters. No, I was yeah. gonna. Well, I mean, if you do, then that's that's fine. Um, I was going to say, are you the, you know, do you have the guy that's like, he's worker placement? Do you have the guy that he likes the kind of the card games? Do you have the kind of the miniatures boy? I mean, or, I mean, of this, I mean, do you have people that have like follow kind of same junior, or do you end up, have you all got kind of like generally the same kind of tastes? I would say that my, my core group, we all prefer heavy strategy. Mm. There's, I would say, 50 to 60% are heavy strategy, mm. Euro influence. Mm. Um, we, we play games like Zolkin, uh, the Mayan calendar, and uh, Anachrony has been a favorite. We like Scythe uh, from Stonemaier Games. Those those have been some favorites. Uh, we don't really tend to play games that are too light anymore unless we're waiting for a player. Mm. Um, so, Have you kind of got into like the red wines of board gaming then, basically? Oh, no, no. oh, like viticulture? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I set them up, you just keep knocking them down, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, viticulture is great. I, I don't think everybody in my group has played viticulture yet, but um, I really enjoyed that game as well. That is exactly the type of game that my group enjoys, yeah. my core group. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I mean, um, myself and um, regular co-host Colin, we did an episode where we kind of talked about Scythe and we talked about viticulture and I kind of ended up on the viticulture side of the fence not because I like wine but I do like the little glass beads you get (laughs) (laughs) they're very Very tactile they're very tactile aren't they you can just kind of roll them about (laughs) in your hand and, and you can just lose minutes of your turn and people are staring at you and going right okay are you are you graping that or you know, are you wine? What are you doing with that? Are you know, you moving that up, kind of thing. Um, you mentioned Zolkin, which we have spoken about before on the podcast, myself and Colin, and we really, really liked it. Um, we were we were very lucky at the time. We had somebody that came in and knew the game, and they were actually. 
played alongside somebody that was like played it in competitions of all things. So they were really really good at explaining it. But the the other game you mentioned is um, well, obviously we've spoken about Scythe, but is it a knock? Uh, what was the other one? Anocracy. I call it anachrony. Anachrony. I can't. You know, yeah. I have trouble pronouncing <laughs> Tarkasone. You know, yeah. so I'm never ever going to get this right. So, what's um, what's what's an anachrony? For goodness' sake, there's no. What's that all about? It's well. It's. I'll be honest. I'm not probably going to do it justice, but. Because we've only played it once and set it up a second time. Okay. It has a pretty pretty extensive setup. Mm. Uh, it's a Kickstarter game that comes in a gigantic box um, that we picked up, and I think it came in the mail maybe a couple months ago. So it's fairly new to the market, oh. and 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 I think probably sold out the last I looked. It's a very good game. It has to do with time travel. Um, it's a lot of action selection. Um, it and it. It's just very engaging. I mean, it has some of the, I, I want to say similar mechanics to like what a viticulture would have in terms of how you're selecting actions and, and almost drafting, uh, positions each turn. Um, but a really kind of a compelling storyline too with time travel and, and, uh, trying to, to go down on a planet and wear an exosuit and, and mine components and use those. It's, it, it's been great. It's just right up our alley. I'm just having a look at it. I'm actually trying to have a look at it just now, but obviously I'm, um, I've now failed three times to try to spell it. Um, I'm just going <laughs> to... It looks... Let me just see. Anachron... Here we go. The A-game is a competitive, epic Euro-style strategy game. Oh my goodness, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a lot of components. That's massive. That's kind of like if Scythe had a baby with Viticulture, because you've got your single little boards, and then you've got minis and- in there as well. And <clears throat> it's like if they had triplets, yeah. It's weird. So is the idea is it kind of like a worker placement kind of resource management? I mean, how, yeah, yeah, yeah. With some action selection, it's uh, yeah, it's turn based. Um, there are a lot of resources to manage, as you can see with all the components there. Yeah. Um, if you're looking at it, oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's but, lovely. It didn't take forever to play, though. You know, with as much of a setup as, as it had, we really enjoyed it after after one play, and I think that's more than we can say for a lot of the games. And it was kind of unexpected, um, just because we hadn't really seen a whole lot about it. And I kind of looked at the project page and thought, "Gosh, they put the work in." Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems, you know, like people do um, with any with any crowdfunded game. You know, you have to kind of scrutinize it a little bit and kind of see. Um, how much depth has been put into it? How much? How much of a narrative and a story there is? Um, those are the things that at least have been important to me. So it's by Mind Clash Games. So and you can actually still it did quite well. It got like ten times its kind of asking target. So it romped in at four hundred thousand dollars, which is that's no mean feat. That's a pretty you know that's a pretty be, a pretty decent result. And it goes for you're joking me. It goes for like. 50 bucks, 50, 60 dollars. 60? Really? That can't be right. Oh, right, you've got the total thing is 100 dollars, so it's not bad. It's like there a pre. You there you go. Yeah. That's including the exosuits and also the base box as well. So that is probably um, that's probably more like it. We'll stick a cheeky little link in the show notes just in case anybody wants to, to check it out. So, but Mark, 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 how do you get from having a regular game group and you're all sitting around and was this a regular conversation in the group that you know that somebody says you know one day I'm going to go to Vegas and I'm going to dress up as Elvis and I'm going to parachute out a plane and everybody just gives you a knowing nod and a smile when did you was there the kind of the conversation around the table about you saying you know I've got an idea for a game and how did you get from kind of thinking I'm playing games to actually getting to the point where saying well actually you know I I'm going to make one I'm going to take that leap and see where it goes how did that kind of come up come together well you know the Elvis suit in the Vegas trip probably would have been a lot easier and I probably could have accomplished that much quicker um you know I I guess for a long long time I had it in my mind that I wanted to to create a game Mm. you know i'm a graphic designer by trade Mm -hmm. and i like to create i like to tell story 
Um, and I thought, gosh, I'm a gamer too. Maybe I could put those together. But as time goes by, you play games and you think, gosh, when am I going to have time to do that? I'm a parent, you know, I have a job. Um, and your core game, you know, group of gamers, they, they hear you say, I'm going to design a game. They kind of roll their eyes back in their head and be like, yeah, is it my turn yet? You know, uh, and, and so I kind of, are you I taking a thought, winter well, card or not? You know, or what exactly. are you doing? <laughs> exactly. So I kind of had to work independently of my core group at first and, and, and bring something to the table that actually showed that there, you know, there was an effort going to be put behind it and, um, a commitment to actually, you know, finish something significant. And, um, so I spent, I spent months and months just kind of sketching and drawing and building mechanics and, um, designing early thoughts that I would, you know, put together on my own and kind of play test myself. Um, and then I started designing actually, you know, the map and, and some components and putting some things together. And then at one point, you know, you just kind of ask your best, your best buddies, Hey, you want to, you want to give this a spin with me? <laughs> and they're like, all right, well, yeah, okay. yeah I, okay, well, let's, let's, let's put it out there and see what it is. And, um, uh, it started that way, I guess you could say. And, um, as I started to build it, I realized, gosh, this is, this is going to be a pretty significant commitment of my time and my life yeah. because it sounds amazing. You know, it sounds simple. It sounds like, gosh, I'm just going to take everything I know about gaming and I'm going to take all the best stuff and I'm going to put it in a little box and I'm going to take all the stuff I don't like and I'm not going to put that in the game. And, you know, I'm going to develop it and I'm going to make it really cool and, you know, gosh, in six, six or seven months, I'm going to have something that people are going to love. And, <laughs> and then and I'm going to be stuck with a sack. I'm going to be sticking on a, sitting on a big pile of gold. I'm going to be like smog in the Hobbit film. <laughs> exactly. And I'm going to exactly. have Ben Dick Cumberbatch doing my voiceover for my Kickstarter video. <laughs> yeah. And then you wake up and you look like Frodo. So <laughs> it, it's, it's been fun. Um, it's it's been a ton of work, but yeah, I at one point I just decided that the time has come for me to not think about it anymore. The the time had come for me to actually do it, and if I was going to just make it happen, I was going to bring it into the world, and even if it didn't fund or if it didn't go, you know, into production, at least I would have designed a game that I could play locally with my friends mm. and um and and let that be let that be my you know my marker for success, and and so I just said I was going to do it. Um, come hell or high water, and and that's what I did. Have the other guys, the other people in the group, have they now kind of went? Oh, I I've got an idea. <laughs> have they kind of followed suit? Are we going to end up with a kind of like is the Orange Nebula Nebula going to end up going to be a publisher as well for all of your little for all your friends too? Or <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, they have their mark in this game because I don't I don't really feel like game designers can take credit for, for bringing a game into the world because uh, it takes a team. It takes a lot of people to help refine and and add ideas and concepts and, and shape them and bring them to life. One person could never do that. No. Um, so oh, there's a, there's a lot of amazing game designers out there, but they're relying on their network. They're relying on their, on their core groups mm -hmm. and really should give a lot of credit to those people. So, so like, yeah, Eric and Steve, two of my best friends, they've, They've played this thing more times than they probably wish they had. <laughs> and, um, and they've added ideas and, and thoughts and concepts to, you know, to really bring balance into it. And yeah, I think in some ways, I think I've unlocked kind of the, this idea that maybe they want to kind of start coming up with some ideas too. And, and so we might work collaboratively, collaboratively on a project, um, soon. I've got some ideas rolling around, um, for something that could, could come together in the next year or something but um but yeah it's been it's been a crazy journey so you you're playtesting this you're getting everything together and um you put the kickstarter together and then you put it out there and it's stalling a bit i mean this is the first time um you know, did yeah. you, did that surprise did that surprise you or I mean, was it kind of I'm back in, you know, seventh grade and I am learning everything again that I thought I knew what I was doing? 
The thing that was shocking for me about that, so my first Kickstarter, I decided to pull the plug hmm. about halfway into it um, on on some advice that I solicited from, from some influencers. Um, Jamie was one of them. Um, I, I studied and I planned for 18 months on, on how to do a Kickstarter. I read Jamie's book six times. Uh, I, I was, you know, building community. I was involving myself with blogs and, Mm. and, you know, basically just making really good sound decisions from a business standpoint, from a, you know, focusing on the game, making sure that it's being play tested and it's balanced and, you know, um, I just did the work. I put the work in and, um, I, I felt pretty confident when I launched the first time and I thought, gosh, this is going to be, this is, this is probably not going to, you know, be groundbreaking and it's not going to, you know, shake the earth or anything, but it's probably going to do decently well. And, um, you know, I, I learned a few new lessons when I did that. And, and I, li- I liken it to this. It's kind of like, you know, learning Japanese and, and, and you can go, you can take classes at the local college and you can read a book. And then when you get on a plane and you fly to Tokyo, you realize that you're not quite as fluent as you thought. <laughs> and, and it's just a, you know, no amount of preparation, no amount of planning can prepare you for the reality of the experience. And so, um, timing was big. I was up against, you know, cool mini or not had their, their, Zombicide Green Horde and Lords of Hellas both were up when I launched. Yeah, okay. And that was like the death toll right there. I just, you know, people were, you know, beyond their budget for the month for gaming, and that's what a lot of people were, you know, saying in the forums. And, um, you know, there were a couple things I could have structured better on the site. You know, James Hudson was like, gosh, that, you know, here's some things that you could improve that with. And a lot of people in the community were like, well, let's do some micro adjustments. And, at the end of the day, what it came out, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I needed to, to go through that learning curve, uh, and come out stronger. And so that's kind of what I did. I, I put my head down and I thought, gosh, I'm going to ask the community what they think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and quite honestly, that's, that's even like what Jamie was telling me. He's like, ask the community what, what they would do. And, um, and I was like, but I'm asking you. <laughs> I know. You, 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 and, you, know, you should know these things. He's like, no. Yeah, well, I don't think you get it. He says, my next project's not on Kickstarter. He's <laughs> like, oh, yeah. okay then. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I did both. And, you know, what I found is um, the more community-focused you make the entire project, the more successful it's going to be. Um, and it's going to be more successful for them, which was my intent to begin with. Hmm. And so I just started asking questions and I just started being available and I started taking advice. And I mean, I feel like I've been doing that the majority of the time anyway, but I, I really kind of put a lot of my own personal, you know, thoughts and feelings and subjectivity. I put those aside and just thought, you know, this isn't really about necessarily my vision because I'm not going to be present when everybody's playing this game on their table. I no. want, I want it to be something that they, uh, got to inform in the process. Yeah. And so through the course of doing that, um, and I just, I just tirelessly, I mean, I learned to hustle. So the weeks between the first campaign and the second campaign were extremely active, uh, long, long days and a lot of learning. And, um, and it, I think it paid off, you know, we funded in, in 24 hours and, um, there's just a tremendous community, um, of backers and the Kickstarter, um, you know, the group that we have is phenomenal. And I'm just, I'm really humbled by all of it. Let's, um, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's, I was kind of like, this is good because I, I think I, um, you know, I was looking over the campaign today and it was like, you can see it already. You can see the guys already building up. You can see the guys kind of saying, you know, let's get this on the kick track. Here's the link for Board Game Geek. Get yourselves clicking on it. Remember to to kind of be proactive. So you can see, it's like you're um. <clears throat> there's Kickstarter champions that go about, and you see them. They back. I don't know how they manage to do it, but they back like hundreds and hundreds of products projects. Whether it's going in at like a dollar just so they can get the updates and they can comment, but you see them. They're just like your little kind of Kickstarter soldiers. And um, they're the guys that seem to be putting the board game geek links on every morning. They're the guys that are reminding people to 
go on the kit tracks and then you go into Board Game Geek and they're the guys that have obviously sat down and read through the rules. And so when you're not around, when the you know when like at the moment, um, or later or tomorrow when you'll be in your bed, they'll be the guys that will be answering the questions from the guys from like where I am and you know the UK. They'll be answering the questions for those guys in their place, and it's really really kind of like a powerful a powerful thing, which is which is good, which is always good. Let's um, let's talk about epoch. Um, because I, I, I'm, you know, I'm fascinated by it. As I say, there was a, there was a, but there was, it's really strange because there was a buzz about it. And then when it went, people were like, oh, that's rubbish. And then it's back and people were like, yay. But let's get more people going, yay. Do you want to tell everybody out there kind of what Epoch is all about and what you're doing and mechanics and, I will shut up and give the floor to you. <laughs> no, sure. So I wanted, I'll just give you a little preface here. I wanted to design a game that, that everyone could relate to. Um, and they could just kind of call on the, uh, the inner adventurer or the inner hero or heroine inside themselves. Um, and so the premise of the game is you've been, you've been living a life of, of, you know, wretchedness and you've been tossed overboard um, of your ship, um, for, for your cruelty and your corruption and, and your criminal activities or whatnot, uh, the life that you chose. And you kind of have this near death experience. And so you wash up on the, you know, this island where you're, you're found by a, a traveler. Um, and that near death experience has kind of unlocked something inside you, um, something better, something stronger. And, uh, so the premise of the game is, you're restoring your lost honor. You've decided to to make a choice to um, to view yourself in the world a little bit differently than you had before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's essentially the premise. Is there's a, there's a, some type of a restoration or a um, you know uh, it's a study in heroism actually at the, at the root for me is you know what is heroism? Does it mean swinging a, a bigger sword than the sword you had last turn? Yeah. Um, or or does it you know, what are some of the things um, that that you would call forth out of you to to be heroic? And so, at the very beginning of the game, that was the concept I wanted to build: is let's 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 find out what heroism really means. You know, what is what is does knowledge play a role? Does wisdom play a role? Yeah. You know, does does strength play a role? And so, uh, as the narrative continues, essentially you're on this island and. Uh, as you're going along, you basically get to role play. You get to you get to decide how you want to how you want to restore your lost honor. Do you want to uh, do you want to do that through companionship and add people into your party and and diversify? Uh, do you do you want to you know seek after magical relics and use those powers? Um, do you want to gain traits you know like valorous you know valiant traits um, that are going to give you passive abilities, or do you want to go kill monsters you know and use your courage? Um, do you want to control territories? Do you want to, you know, and, and so there's a lot of different things possible, but from there, I just wanted players to be able to, um, organically turn to turn, try new strategies, adapt strategies, or play a single strategy all the way through and still be competitive regardless of how they approached it. So that's kind of a nutshell. And what's the, What's the kind of the mechanics like? I mean, first of all, is it a two to five player game? Can you get more players than that? I mean, what's... it's yeah, it's two to five players. Um, personally, I think two player works really well, um, especially compared to other other games that don't really scale as well down. Um, and it is an action selection game with some area control options to it. Uh, each turn, you're gonna take three actions. You're gonna, you're gonna activate a companion, uh, and basically gain their abilities and their attributes. Um, you're gonna move or travel on the map, uh, and then you're gonna also, um, take a map action, basically. So, uh, there's a hexagonal map, and then there's, uh, little triangles in between the hexes that you can move on. So at any given time, you're adjacent to three 
hex tiles. Mm -hmm. And so as your, as your map action, you can basically visit one of those three places and do the thing that it allows you to do. So if you're next to the cave, you could go in and defeat a monster. If you're next to the tower, you could acquire a relic. Uh, if you're at the library, you can study to gain knowledge. Uh, if you're at the command post, you can use your strength to, to tame a, a different mount and increase your speed. Those types of things. The artwork is striking in it. Um, was this you, or was did you get help with this? Did you go out to an artist as well for help on the art? I wish it was me. Yeah, <laughs> I <laughs> I took. Sadly, no, it wasn't me. I I took an approach similar to kind of like what Magic the Gathering does, mm. and I approached a number of artists, and there's actually over twenty artists and illustrators that that I employed to to do the artwork in this game. Mm. And originally my thought behind that, um, by the way, that's a lot of work and a lot of management. Um, <clears throat> just note for, for game designers out there. Um, it's much simpler to work with one artist, but I feel that the visual language development of a game helps to create immersion. And so, and so the, the graphic design, the typography, the iconography and the illustrations are super important to me. Um, if a game doesn't have a certain level of that, I will not play it. Even if it's awesome game, I don't care because the experience is, is central for me. Uh-huh. And so I've, I realized that different people, you know, relate differently to different styles of artwork. And so if a game has just one style of illustration, you know, it may not, it may not appeal to them, but yeah. what if the game has 12 or 13 different styles of artwork, well, they're going to have something that they can connect with. And so to me, I diversified the audience a little bit and helped invite different types of people into the game. Okay. Okay. Um, it takes about 30 minutes, is it 15 to 30 minutes per player? Yeah. Uh, based on the variable end game conditions, okay. we've had four player games end in 30 minutes. Uh-huh. And we've had two player games go 90 minutes. So it's, it's much more variable than an average game, um, would be. It is very rare that a game will last more than two hours. And that's very intentional. I wanted the, the turns and the tempo to be very quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but depending on the play styles of all of the players, it's possible if nobody's trying to trigger the end of the game, you know, they can, they can continue to, to do what they're doing. But there's built in acceleration because as players score, end game triggers go off and they add more conditions for the end of the game okay. uh, as the game goes on. So so there is an escalation that happens throughout it. But yeah, generally speaking, I think 15 to 30 minutes is a really safe number That's pretty per cool. player. That's pretty cool. Putting together, this is the other thing is, I mean, have you, you put all together all these components and have you had to put together quite a few review copies to get the word out as well when you're putting this? together as well i mean has that cost you have you had to shell out quite a lot of money to can even get the kickstarter to where it is just now i have no more money (laughs) um i the 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 money is gone i yeah yeah the i boy i've been working with print play games um for my prototypes and i have sent out a lot of prototypes Uh um i think it's really valuable to have people play testing the game without you present for Uh one um Number one, to make sure that it's something that they can get their head around. And number two, just because I think you dilute the feedback when you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it, it does get a little bit expensive, but I think it's a necessary part of the process. And the A-B testing is super important. Um, even before the prototypes, though, just the sheer amount of iterations that I went through for for the game is staggering. Um, and and maybe it's just the way I do it. I'm not sure. I'm I'm probably not as smart as some of these other guys who make these games, guys and gals. But um, I have like 118 versions of the map alone that that I worked through. And so the playtesters will tell you, gosh, this thing's changed a hundred <laughs> yeah. times. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of, I think, I think that comes with the territory. Um, so long as you're always refining it and, and, and making it clearer and simpler, it's a good thing. Um, otherwise, I think you could just iterate forever. Is there is there little standees that represent the the characters in here as well? I'm just looking on the Kickstarter just now again, just to remind myself. Yeah, right now it has it has standees, and and there's uh, 
boy, there's some significance to the to the icons on those that have not really I have not really gone into that yet. Okay. Um, because there's a there's there's a stretch goal that that we possibly might hit or an expansion that may come that kind of unlocks a little bit of that. Um, I'll just tell you right now. Um, it has to do with guilds that once existed on the island. Oh, um, right. okay. You might <laughs> this might be the first time I've mentioned it publicly, but um, yeah. So so I the standees I think are interesting. Um, I was going to do miniatures to begin with. Yeah, that was I was going to ask. You know, was there a, a pressure to maybe bring miniatures in because of Lords of Helios and any other Simon game that comes out? There seem people seem to be shouting about miniatures. It's it's a polarizing topic I've found because uh, the purists, you know, kind of are against miniatures and and really just kind of want the 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 intuitive, you know, intelligent gameplay. And then you've got and then you've got another crowd that just really wants the value that comes associated with having beautiful components and and something tactile to enhance their experience. And yeah, so. Yeah. I'm kind of walking a very delicate balance in between the two because the game does not require miniatures at all. Mm-hmm. But I wanted a little bit of that, you know, luxury feel to it. So I've designed a few miniatures. Originally there was going to be a ton uh-huh. and each character was going to have one and all of that. But, um, at the end of the day, after, after all the play tests, I decided I, it, it was less significant. Um, to really focus on a, a player miniature and more significant to focus on, you know, the fun and the balance of the game mm. and let the miniatures, um, uh, command kind of a different space. And so I've, I've, uh, I've designed them a little differently. Well, the art, I mean, to be honest with you, Mark, the art style kind of pushes me more towards standees than it does mm-hmm. towards miniatures because if you've got a group of miniatures together, it'd be harder to represent the different art styles maybe that you'd want to put in. If you decided, okay, you know, you put an expansion in, you put in a stretch goal and you say, okay, well, we're building, we're going to bring in this, this guy as an additional choice of player, but I'm using this artist for the player character. So if I try to represent him as a miniature, he's not going to sit right with the rest of the kind of the rest of the kind of the characters. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, it's interesting as I went through the development of the different ways that I could approach how people are going to, you know, role play or, or create their own story each time they play this. And, um, uh, each, each player actually gets a wretch card as mm-hmm. well that sits in front of them. And, uh, uh, and to go along with the standee and, and, and essentially, um, at this point, I would agree with you. I think the standees, have always kind of been a little bit more top of mind for me for how I wanted to envision people actually interacting with their things on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, after the first turn, you know, you're really just kind of looking for your standing and moving it. And um, I, I wanted the player's attention to be out on the board for strategy and, and, and spending less time looking at their, you know, either at their own, you know, token or at their at their dashboard, the things in front of them. I wanted you know most of their attention to go out, so that so that there's a lot more interaction, a lot more strategy happening outward. Yeah, I mean it's like kind of playing scythe. I mean the miniatures in scythe are absolutely fantastic, but you know sometimes you have to kind of clear them out the way to see what's the actual happening on the square. Sometimes you know <laughs> exactly. you know you kind of like. Especially if you've got like all your worker, you you've got all your workers there. You've got your um, you've got a couple of mech units there, and you've got your commander there as well. You're just like, okay, so what what square is this? An oil square or is this a right. is this a wood square? Is this a cor- a corn? I think you're right. I mean, it, it can take away um, it can kind of take away the focus from this. Isn't a miniatures game? This is a this is almost like a a kind of a, it's a resource management kind of game you need to be concentrating on where you're going what you're going to be doing and then the choices that you make kind of around you and I mean I've had this con- myself and Frank West who did City of Kings he um, he ran a really successful um, Kickstarter campaign um, and his, his is basically a here's a grid of tiles that you're going to explore and he had standees and he probably faced exactly the same kind of um, 
questions in his head about you, but he came very quickly on the side of, I'm having standees because I love my art. And he got questioned all the time on miniatures. And you're right, you could see the people kind of, the guys clearly on the side of wanting miniatures in the game saying, where's my miniatures, man? You know what I mean? I'm paying, I'm going to give you $90 for a, for this game. I expect kind of, kind of miniatures. And I think maybe in some ways you're, you know, your bigger guys, your bigger label guys in this world have kind of pushed it to be almost like a, like an expectation. But, um, the thing that's interesting about that is I think we, we set our expectations based on our past experiences, but you know, the game here, uh, for those who have backed it and haven't played it yet, I mean, you almost need to kind of, to kind of encounter it or go through a play mm. first before you make that type of a call, you know, should it be a miniature? Should it, should it be a standee? Um, because those things have been considered, you know, I, I did and I do have, um, you know, a miniature version for players who, you know, who would prefer to play with miniatures. I think that's fine. I think if they want yeah. to, you know, they should have the control, um, to, to play the game that they want to, the, the way that, you know, they enjoy the most. Um, and so long as I can afford it, I'm going to try to build as much value in as I can <laughs> for different types of players. Um, but, you know, and, and I love, I love big innovative companies like Cool Mini or not. You know, they've got amazing games. Their miniatures are phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they hit like 53 stretch goals on their <laughs> green horde and you 50, 53 miniatures. It's like, I, I, it doesn't even register for me. It's like, I, I don't know if I'd have time to set that out on my table and play. Um, granted, there's, you know, probably a lot of replayability that comes with that, but I know. I didn't want to get lost in the biggie size me mentality, right? I just want this game. It's well thought out. It's mm. very delicately balanced. It has asymmetrical balance. So it's not more advantageous to kill monsters than it is to, you know, attain traits or add companions or do area control. You can do all of them if you want to and not, and not suffer a consequence. And I think that's the thrust of, of the value of this game. And you can do it differently every time. Um, that is much more important to me than, Gosh, I want another big, cool-looking miniature that I, you know, and and I think that's part of it though too. So not to diminish that, but for me, it was more about the experience of playing than than the stuff in the box. Well, I mean, to me, it sounds like you've got going back to your, you know, to twenty minutes ago when you were talking about the the group. I mean, it sounds like almost a case of you wanting this to be the game where it is the guys that just shall we play epoch yeah let's get it out because this time i'm going to kick your ass out oh no you're not kind of thing because <laughs> it looks like replayability seems to be quite an important part of the game in the fact that the tiles themselves you start with like a and you, people look at the kickstarter there will be show notes and so there will be links so make sure you look at the kickstarter but the the board itself is it's hex, isn't it? And you've got the little triangles in between. But you can put down... I take it the tiles for the different resources and that, they change every game. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, at the base level, I think drawing tiles each game adds to adds to the replayability mm. in, in, I think, probably not an uncommon way. I think it's fairly common to have yeah. that. And I think, I, think it's a, I think it's a strong thing to do. The, the thing that I've focused on for replayability in this game is that there's a lot of cards, there's a lot of options, there's a lot of tiles, but the decisions that you make every game, it would take it would take 50 games for you to exhaust all the different paths that you could take or all the different combinations. Um, it would take even longer. I mean, some of the cards uh, create combinations with other cards, and so exponentially, you know, this trait works really well with this companion. How, you know, what are the, what's the likelihood of both of those being available to me in each game? Uh, and then you match that up with, oh gosh, this person has a treachery card that shuts shuts this aspect of this person's thing down, and you know, there's just so much, so many variables that it feels like a unique experience each time you play. Um, that was more the thrust of the replayability. Although mm. I think the map tiles being, you know, being different every time. The other thing that's really cool that I really like is, you know, 
you're not playing with the same tiles every time either. So yeah. there's there's ex- expansions and tile sets that you could swap some out. Um, and if you don't like a particular one for some reason, just don't play with it. Play with a different one, you know. And um, and that just adds it just adds to the to the amount of variables that you can have every time you bring it out. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you've got, as you said, you've got your your kind of your six main attributes, um, things like inspiration, wisdom, knowledge, vision, strength, and courage. But you said, you know, as you said yourself, you can combine them together to create kind of other things as well, which I was kind of reading about earlier on, earlier on today. So that kind of adds to it. With you, I guess, with you having kind of card card tiles and card sets and stuff like that, have you toyed with kind of expansions for Epoch or is it too early for you to be kind of even buying a ticket for that train? Well, there's a couple ways I would answer that. There, on the Kickstarter page, there are a couple of what I'm calling mini expansions. Yeah. Um, that I just kind of wanted to put all in the same box and just give everybody a lot of game that they could, that they could take, you know, 10 or 12 plays to kind of get through all of it once. And, and so there's the Myths and Wonders expansion that kind of introduces a collaborative event. That is optional. So if you have a five-player game, three people may decide they want to go kill this big monster, and mm-hmm. and it's going to drop loot, and and they can work together, but they're kind of still working against each other at the same time. So so that's one that's that's kind of in there. There are a couple different tile sets that I've added that aren't really expansions. The thing that I've been asked most for is a solo version, and so to me, I'm kind yeah. of treating that like an expansion where. I don't think I'm going to be able to have that ready by the end of the campaign here, but it may be something that um, that I gift to everyone after the campaign or as as the files are getting ready to go to the manufacturer. Um, if I can make it balanced, if I can make it fun and play at the level that the multiplayer does, yeah, that yeah. would be my first priority just because so many people have asked me for that. Um, my, my goal was never to, to release a game and then be like, you know, every season I'm going to come out with another expansion for it and kind of monetize it. That's never been my my deal. There there may be one or two um, expansions that I get excited about at the most, um, but after that, I think I'd rather just tackle a whole other endeavor. Mm-hmm. Are you have you planned out? I know it sounds like a bit. Have you kind of at the back of your mind got kind of like stretch goals um, planned, or have you? Because when I spoke to James Hudson, he said, well, we planned up to, you know, X hundred thousand because we kind of thought it was going to be hitting that. And then we surpassed it and then we had to get the artist on the job as quickly as possible to draw the last couple of stretch goals because we, we, <laughs> <laughs> we weren't getting ready. But, I mean, in your mind, have you, you know, have you kind of thought, well, let's be humble with this and plan up to X value stretch goals? Or have you got everything kind of laid out, ready to go if it kind of, you know... And it's you know it's taken off. I mean, you've you've added another. You're another. You know, you're four thousand dollars above target. It looks like now. Yeah, i I planned a certain amount of stretch goals, not not based on funding goals at all. Mm. It, it was more about what what does the game need to have? Yeah. What what would what would increase you know the experience for players. Um, and, and then I kind of put those in order of importance and, and then basically reconfigured those based on my costs. Like, you know, the, adding the miniatures, in, you know, adds an, a significant amount for tooling costs yeah. and those types of things. Yeah, I should, but yeah. I actually think that that it's fun. You know, those types of things can be really, um, valuable for certain, um, players who like that. I have X amount and I've come up with new ideas. Um, but I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't, I don't have any pipe dreams that this is that you know this gold is going to be falling from the sky um, anytime soon. It's you know, and I'm me running around with a big pot trying to catch it. I'm wearing a hat, Mark. You gotta wear a hat. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> otherwise, you'd absolutely. Get smacked to the top of the head. What was he doing? Well, he was chasing his dream, and he got hit in the temple by a bit of gold. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I might be willing to take a few lumps for some gold right now. But <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, I've been much more intentional to make sure that the game survives reviews and cr- 
critical feedback mm-hmm. is has been much more important to me that it stands the test of time, and it's a lot less about stretch goals for me. I know the Kickstarter community, the crowdfunding community loves their stretch goals, and I want to give them what they want. But at the end of the day, that is a lot less important to me than making sure that they actually enjoy playing the game, the base game. Yeah. And then if I can add to it, I think that's great. But I'd I'd rather just let the the game stand the test of time. Mm. And reviews, I mean, the reviews you've been getting have been kind of um, just wow. I mean, people have been saying some really, really nice things about Epoch. Um, You know, it's... Yeah, it's been it's been really well received. I I didn't get an opportunity to get all of the reviews that I wanted, and that may have been my fault for not planning out far enough. A couple of them were really booked. Um, Man versus Meeple. I've been trying to get in their schedule. We've we've been talking yesterday and today. I think I still am going to have them do a review. Mm. It may not be done until after the campaign. Um, I'm still going to have them do it because those guys are are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to, to, you know, Rado, um, about oh, doing a two player. So, so nice guy, Rado. He's, he's great. And this game plays really well with two players. And I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of data from playtesters saying, gosh, this game plays great with well, two Rado, players. Rado's just... on my hit list. So Rado, if you are listening and if you ever listen, first of all, that would make me happy and potentially cry. But if you do ever fancy coming on and chatting, um, I'm not doing a video with you though, mate, but I will do some audio. But... <laughs> <laughs> he's phenomenal. He's yeah, works really, really... He's works really, really, he's works really, really good. But, um, I mean, you said you're bringing, obviously, the, the potentially, you know, the Man versus Meeple review afterwards, which is, you know, you guys like your rad and stuff like that as well. Are you, are you one of these guys, that, are you going to be bringing in a late pledge? for epoch is that kind of crossed your mind fortunately i am yeah and part of my my timing with the relaunch is this actually uh, august 10th is the last day of the campaign hmm. and then five days later i'm flying to gen con where yeah. i'm going to demo the game all right and my i'm going to be using backer kit and they're going to allow me to take pledges um, all the way up until I want to send files to manufacturing. So yeah. um, I'm hoping, you know, for a short window of time, maybe a month, I'm going to be able to take late pledges just for people who maybe um, didn't didn't get a chance to see it, um, you know, now can see it before we send files off. And um, so, yeah, I think that's a bonus. Oh, I think it's becoming a, a bit of a norm. I do see, I, I you know, I... It's really funny because I am one of these annoying people that if I see a game and I, and I like it, I will commit and I'll back it. But there are a few games that are on my list which I have chucked, chucked a buck at just to see, you know, because I like, I'm interested in the updates, I'm interested in where the, you know, where the kind of the game goes and, and, and also if it's giving you access to a late pledge manager, then that's kind of attractive to me as well. And it's not, it's just because if I could, I would go out and I would quite happily back every project in the world. But like everybody else, you know, I have, you know, you've got your constraints on your budget. Um, but yeah. also, I think that, and this is a while ago, we had um, Gary Devereaux um, from Purgatory Minis who was on. And um, happy birthday, Gary, for about a couple of days ago, mate. Um, but. He launched his, he had late pledges coming in. It said it increased his overall total by about 25%. In fact, the backers that he lost were losing towards the end of the campaign, the kind of the, the backers regret guys. Um, their kind of them, their kind of not deficit that it called, but bringing it back down towards the target that was wiped out by the kind of the late pledges, which is kind of good. Um, so that's, that's good. Well, that, I mean, that's, I mean, excellent. If you're going to be, um, are you going to be demoing it? Are you are you getting a booth yourself? Then are you going to be all boothed up? Are you going to have is you have have a couple of helpers over there as well? Is like is it Steve? Is he going to go with you? Well, uh, actually, I I'm fortunate. Um, one of my friends here actually owns a company that already has a booth at Gen Con every year. Um, oh. I know there's a waiting list to get one, so he's. Uh, He's a he's a longtime friend of mine, and so I I get to to kind of piggyback and get a table there. I don't have any help, so I'm probably going to have to just set some times where I'm demoing and times when I'm going to be out meeting the community and 
and checking other people's stuff out. But um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be there the whole week, so yeah. um, making a lot of connections. But yeah, I do have a booth, um, fortunately, awesome. which isn't something everybody can say. <laughs> and we, have you got a t-shirt? You know, I am going to make a t-shirt, I think. Um, I just was thinking about this yesterday. Um, I, I, I read Jamie Stegmeyer's blog often, and I remember one article stand comes to mind. It's like, you know, are you selling a board game or are you selling t-shirts? You really should draw that line. And I've always kind of been, um, against having that type of thing in the campaign for the Kickstarter. Yeah. But I've got a really cool, compelling idea for a t-shirt <laughs> that I think people would want to wear. And so it may not even be in the Kickstarter, but I think, I think, uh, I think people are going to love it. Um, oh, I'm going to have, I'm going to have, I've, I have a small, um, branding team is my kind of my daytime job and, um, they would love to get, to get working on this. And so, I'm, I'm going to put something together and I'll, uh, I'll send it to you before I send it out. And well, on the back, feedback. on the back, you could just have Jamie said no. <laughs> exactly. I like that little cat icon above it. Just yeah. A, yeah. Just a little bit at the bottom. <laughs> Not being cheeky, but you know, just kind of saying, well, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes a little hashtag. Man's got a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie told me not to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, did it anyway. <laughs> hashtag read your blog. Ignored it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, going forward, and, you know, Epoch, Epoch's gonna happen. You know, it's, you know, it's, it seems to be, there's getting some love and it's gonna pick up some traction and KickTrack thinks it's gonna do some really, really decent bank as well. Um, are you already, are you thinking about where what you're going to be doing next so you thought about i mean you mentioned you've got other projects i mean are those is this kind of making you think well actually this is this is going to work out and let's move on to the next thing i mean is orange nebula nebula learn to talk my goodness i apologize <laughs> profusely for my inability no, to even say good. the word nebula um <clears throat> have you got We're other ideas you know, I, I don't have any ideas that this is going to financially change my career path. No. Um, I, I put a lot into this game and I think it, I think it shows. I think, um, I think you do the work, you put the time in, you plan, you prepare and you bring in the community and good things are going to happen. Um, I want to inspire other people to do the same. Um, you know, whatever Kickstrack says, I, I think is, is, you know, uh, a little pie in the sky. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't have, I don't have those types of dreams. Um, I'm not quite that relaxed. Um, I, I would say that just bringing the game into the world is enough for me. That's kind of all I was hoping for. Mm. If I break even after my, after my investment so far, I will be very happy. Yeah. Um, it's going to take, it's going to take a little bit more for me to make, make back what I've put into it. And I probably won't recoup the time that I put into it. I don't know. I might. Um, will there be more though? There probably will be. And, and really yeah. it's more just because I'm a creator and I want, I enjoy the creating and the, and the narrative and the story and the graphic design mm-hmm. and creating that experience more than anything. It's, it's, you know, the, the manufacturing and marketing and shipping and fulfillment and all of that stuff is, is not the part of this that I'm at all interested in. It's, it's, you know, I'd, I'd rather just talk with you about board games like I'm doing now. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, just create something unique and different. And even with Epoch, you know, it's not a huge departure from, from a common narrative. I wanted to take a, a fantasy setting, a fantasy theme and build something a little different with, you know, the resource management part of it. We're talking about those attributes again. My next project is probably going to be a little bit more daring. Um, that's what I would say, and I'll probably just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Just leave it. Give me everything and give me absolutely nothing. Right. You can yeah. tell you're, you can tell you're involved in brand management. <laughs> <laughs> well. I'm um, learning a lot too. That's, that's the thing. I mean, I this has been one huge, like, university, uh, for me. Um, 
I feel like I did my four years. (laughs) Has it made you kind of look differently at how you do your day job involved in what you're kind of doing? I mean, did you take a lot of your day job into running this? And have you found now I can actually take some of what I've learned so far back into the day job? Yes, there is a piece of this that I can definitely take into my day job. Um, This is, I would say, the biggest thing is building community, that aspect of branding, whatever you're bringing into the world. If you can build people, build a mob of people around you, Hmm. you're going to be more successful. It's just, it's just strength in numbers. Yeah. And, and what that sounds like and what that means are two different things. And so doing it, is much different than thinking about doing it. And, you know, that's probably applicable on a number of levels. But, um, yeah, it's, again, it's just been a massive learning curve and it's been super fun. Um, I don't, I don't have this, this, you know, I'm not going to be probably a big game company or anything like that. That, that isn't my goal. Um, however, the passion projects that pay off make you want to do more passion projects, right? Yeah. Um, and so if this is really well received after people get it, which I think it will be, um, that's going to hopefully allow me to build some more momentum um, and let, you know, let the game development aspect influence my other career um, and vice versa. Um, yeah, I think that's the plan. Awesome. This has been, um, no, this has been fascinating because it's, I was I I kind of like hearing people maybe before and kind of during the actual kind of Kickstarter journey. Oh my goodness, I sound like America's Got Talent. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah. If people of them, um, when people have listened along tonight, and if they want to keep an eye on what you're up to and what you're doing, where do you exist on the fabulous um, internet webs? Oh, the the easiest way to get a hold of me is just email me right through my website, and I'll just give you the email address. It's Mark with a C mm. at orangenebula.com. Okay, that's by far the easiest way. You know, while the Kickstarter campaign is live, there's a lot of backers making comments and messages and, yes. and things like that, and that's awesome. I think that's great because they introduce themselves to each other, yeah. and it creates more community. That's a great way. Board Game Geek, obviously, huge mega forum. Uh, for gamers, I think everybody should go there. I think everybody should participate. Um, and if you do, you know, follow Epoch in there. It's going to be awesome. Um, um, you have Facebook as well, I believe. Orange Nebula. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of them. Orange Nebula. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. We will, of course, make sure that we add all of the links to the show notes so that we have notes to show. There you go. <laughs> um, That's awesome. There you go. Um, no, thank you very much for coming on. I understand, you know, it's like not even kind of 36 hours in and you're speaking to some strange Scottish guy about 3,000 miles away. So I really appreciate you taking the time when you're probably like going, I need to get an update out. When's this guy going to shut up? (laughs) No, let me tell you, I I appreciate what you're doing um, for the industry and for the gaming community. It takes a lot of effort to do what you do. I've listened to many of your, of your podcasts and, um, they are extremely valuable. And, um, let me just tell you from a community guy, thank you for what you're doing because you can't see as, as, as much influence as you're putting out there and it's paying off for a lot of people. So, uh, a lot of gratitude from this side. Oh, thank you very much. Um, hmm. And if you do, oh, that kind of, you know, that was like a side swipe <laughs> to the head. Um, well, we do, you know, we do try. Um, the aim of this was always to kind of um, give, I, I don't know, I've always been interested in kind of speaking to people and finding out what they do. Because I'm a nosy person. I'm a sales guy by trade. <laughs> so my job is to find out people. And as I say, I'm going to probably charge you $300 at the end of this for doing nothing. Um, <laughs> but, no... <laughs> But if you, I mean, if you do want to keep a a, a kind of a track on what we do, then we are on, um, we're on Facebook, we are on Twitter, we are on Instagram, all at We Are Not Wizards. We're on YouTube because normally all of our episodes will automatically get sent up to YouTube thanks to the fabulous hosting company that we use, which is Podbean. We are not sponsored by them, but they are pretty good. 
Um, if you, you can find us on all the kind of the various kind of pod bean, uh, podcast places, so you've got Stitcher and there's Spreaker and there's um, Acast and of course there's Apple Podcasts as well. And as we always say, um, if you have liked what you've heard tonight, um, we really appreciate those iTunes reviews. Apparently they create magic out there in the atmosphere, so let's create some magic. Um, if you have liked what you heard, then give us a review. But as we always say, don't give us a 10, because that will make me big-headed. Um, and don't give us a 1, because that will make us cry. Give us a 5, you know, somewhere in the middle, because that's average. And um, as we say, we are a little bit average. No 5s, 9.5. <laughs> Everybody, 9.5. every single person ruins that joke. The Apple, the Apple podcast ratings. Now you're an 8.8. only goes up to 5. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the person who's not been average tonight is the one rather wonderful, fantastic Mr. Mark Neidlinger from Orange Nebula. <laughs> um, Pronunciation strong. There you go. There you go. Like, unlike my passwords. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, as I say, we will be putting um, notes um, with links to the Kickstarter. We can only wish you the very, very best for the campaign going forward, Mark. We're excited to see Epoch getting made, and we'll be hitting kind of tabletops around the world, which is a kind of a cool thing. Um, there are only two more things to do. And the first thing, you lovely people out there, is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Mark? We are not wizards. Definitely not. Do you know what we do? We may be wretches. We may be crawling up the beach. We may be trying to seek our inner strength. We may even try to look for vision. I was we may just combine go these things together. <laughs> In order to build ourselves up from the negative into the positive and then act like noblemen who are wise and have give guidance and patience and love through to everybody that they meet. But we are definitely not wizards. Thank you, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And the second thing is to say goodbye. So as I say, it's goodbye from the rather fabulous, wonderful and fantastic Mark. Say goodbye, Mark. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. Don't be a wretch. Be a good person. Don't be a wretch. (laughs) And keep an eye out for this Epoch Kickstarter because it's going places and you don't want to be the guy that says, I wish I backed. But until next time, goodbye. Thank you. (laughs) Be amazing. (laughs) 